you can take an offer and you could sell it to everybody and their brother and you'll probably get a couple bucks for it if you're lucky. But if you start to carve it up and look at specific market segments, then you make more and more money. Hey, it's Jason Flatland here. You're listening to The Jason Flatland Show, where I'll be sharing everything from sales and webinar tips to improving productivity and reaching your infinite potential. Jason Flatland here. In this video, I'm going to show you seven keys to a killer offer. And by the way, I feel kind of qualified in order to make this claim because I'm holding up my friend here, $100 million offers, Alex Hermosi's book. And I am the most quoted person in this book, which has now sold tens and tens of hundreds of thousands. I think it sold several hundred thousand copies at this point of this book. I'm thinking you should probably listen to what I'm saying when it comes to creating a killer offer because Alex has listened to me and he's probably the best at actually creating killer offers. So let's break it down. There's seven things here that I'm gonna show you. I don't know why I throw five up here. We're going with seven. Seven elements of a killer offer. Better than free, exclusive bonuses, scarcity, proof, price anchoring, ultra specific and fresh. Let's go, baby. First one, better than free. I'm always thinking about positioning it so it will cost you more to not buy it than to buy it. So I want you to think like of a Postmates membership. Uh, Postmates is always trying to get you to join their membership and it waives certain fees that you otherwise would have to pay if you ordered it onesie twosies. And if you did an analysis, if you came in as a consultant for that company and financially you had their books available to you, you would discover that a majority of their customers overspent. If they were just a member, they would actually save money. Now, people, they don't want to be members. They fight it. They resist it. They would rather do it onesie twosie, which up front, it's simple. It's less thinking involved for them, but long term costs them money. They need to be sold this. That's what's important about the offer. But before you can sell it to them, you have to have it. If you are part of their best customer base and you order all the time, it costs you more in delivery fees than it would to be a member. And the same is true or was true at one point in time, at least for Amazon Prime. And so I'm always constantly obsessing, how do we make this thing better than free? How we do it in the digital world is I'll go to third-party service providers and I'll say, what do you got for me? that's of high value that people would pay you for that I can use some or all of it in the product that I'm selling over here. And we'll run through 10, 20, 30 of these vendors to get three, four or five things that have an established actual retail value over there that we get to put a version of it that's practically the same, similar, or sometimes even better than what they sell in our product as a bonus, which we can offer under certain conditions. And what will happen in these instances, if I'm selling a $1,000 product, but I'm giving you $2,000 worth of stuff that has an actual retail value, that's better than free if you see yourself eventually at some point or later buying all of those things. And so we're always constantly obsessing at Rapid Crush. How do we find things that we can combine them together, things that you would normally have to buy, things that maybe you already own some version of, consolidate them, and through some creative negotiating or some way of, of sourcing them ourselves on your behalf, how do we make it? So when you look at this, you say, damn, it's costing me money not to buy this thing. Not that it'll make me money necessarily, which is great if it does. But every second I delay in owning this, I'm seeing dollar bills burn in front of my eyes. Damn it, I better go buy it. Second element, exclusive bonuses. These are the bonuses that you can't get anywhere else. And for what it does, it's better than everything else. Here's something that will seem contradictive. It's more of a paradox than it is a contradiction. My very, very best stuff, I don't want anybody to be able to buy it. 
I only want people to get it for free as a bonus. Literally, the very best things you should do should never have a price tag on this. I learned this in the IPO world where pre-revenue businesses like Twitter would go public. If they've never sold anything, you couldn't benchmark it. You say, well, you've sold X. So if you sell, if you do this and grab this market share and grab this, then you'll probably make Y and they'll project a model out into the future. But if you've never sold anything, you can't place any value on that. The value is based around the story you can tell and the hype that you can drum up to get people excited in it. And I always thought it was kind of slimy and scammy on the IPO side. I totally get it. I don't want to do it from that perspective, but if I have some really powerful, precious materials that you can't get anywhere else, you can only get them when you buy this other thing. People will buy the thing sometimes and throw it away just to get the bonuses. That's what I want to create. Once upon a time, we had an offer as an affiliate. It was for a $3,500 product, and we had a set of bonuses. And the only way you could get our bonuses is if you bought through our affiliate link. And what happened was customers would buy the product through the vendor direct or through other affiliates, and then they would find out about us later. And they would come begging and pleading, why don't I just pay you for your bonuses? And we said, nope. If you want these bonuses, you have to buy the same product that you already own, literally giving you no additional benefit in order to get our bonuses. Because that was our deal. We told people the only way we'd ever give these bonuses for free is if you bought X. And would you not believe over a thousand people bought a $3,500 product again just to get the bonuses. We spend more time on the bonuses than the core offer because the core offer, once it's done, it's done. Then our name of the game is how can we just keep stacking bonuses? How can we sub in better bonuses for the other bonuses that we had in place? Let's keep obsessing over how can we source more bonuses and on and on and on and on. Make your bonuses better than your product and you will make a killer offer. Number three, scarcity. The more scarce something is, the more value it has. Better still with scarcity is if you can justify the limited supply and then demonstrate it. I was literally in a webinar last week and we went through about an hour and a half of the presentation and we sold 100 units right on the nose of this product. And this was a $3,000 product. So not a bad draw, right? $300,000 in an hour and a half while we were on the webinar 90 minutes in. And then we went three more hours. So the webinar ended up being four and a half hours. And we sold an additional 93 units. So if we would have gave up when most people gave up, we would have walked away with over 300,000 in sales. But instead, we pushed to about 600,000 in sales. Now, mind you, this is just a kickoff webinar. We still have follow-up sequences. The campaign is in order right now. We'll close at multiple millions of dollars when it's all said and done on this offer. But here's what's really important about this. The reason why we stayed four and a half hours on that webinar is because we had some webinar-only bonuses. They were legitimate. What do I mean by that? I mean that this wasn't purely for exploitative, manipulative purposes where we put a gun to somebody's head and said, you got to buy by the end of the webinar. Pressure, 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 pressure. A lot of people do that. That's stupid. Don't do that. Instead, we had bonuses that made sense. We had two webinar uh, exclusive bonuses. One of them was a manual process for each and every person who bought where we had to go in there and manually find things for them, set things up for them, and prepare them a unique list that was only specifically tailored to each and every individual customer one-to-one. I could not do that for everybody who bought this product. It would be impossible. So we had a limit on the number of people that could do that, and the offer was we either reach that limit and then they don't get it anymore, 
or we reach less than that limit and we're okay with that. And we want to reward the people that had stayed on the webinar the most who were most likely to use this resource that we'd have to create whether somebody used it or not. We wanted to make sure it was put to good use. And so that scarcity is believable. It makes sense. And it makes the people who are probably going to buy anyway buy sooner, which I prefer. I'd rather you buy the thing you were going to buy anyway sooner so you can start using it sooner. And so that was one of them. The other one was we give them a free year membership in a program. We negotiated with the vendor to give a handful of lifetime licenses to the membership. And we said to them contractually, let's just give it away to people who are on this webinar. And they agreed to it. If we did not have that limit, they would have never gave us the deal. In fact, they didn't want to give us the deal. We had to work back and forth to come up with terms on how we could distribute the deal. And I didn't want to put a limit on it. I wanted to give it to as many people as I possibly could. So that's how I shrewdly negotiated that. And that scarcity allowed us to be able to double sales on a single webinar. And it made us want to get on that webinar and stay on that webinar. Now, it has a synergistic effect. When people see that offer pop off and the social proof hits and all these other people are buying it and the affiliates are making big money because they're promoting it, then people double down on that and more people start to buy in waves. So this is how it not only increases point of sale, but it increases the longevity of the campaign. So we think very hard and long on legitimate valuable scarcity to enhance the offer further and then people place more value on the thing because they had to earn the thing they earned it by doing whatever needed to be done to get it before it ran out if you want to know more about scarcity i have a whole video that you can watch that i shot on the topic next killer offer element is proof Every claim that you make should be backed up with some sort of visual element to validate it. So if you have a portion of your offer that is really mapped out, show the process map. Uh, if you had to pay a third-party provider in order to get the thing, to give it as a bonus, show the wire transfer. I told this to Russell Brunson once because he had acquired uh, John Reese's Traffic Secrets IP for a million dollars, I think it was. And I told Russell, I said, here's the deal. Say, this bonus is worth a million dollars. Why is that? Because I paid a million dollars for it. So I can give it to you for free. And then I said, show the wire transfers. Otherwise, people aren't going to believe you. When we would do double your money back guarantees, which is risk reversal, that's another important part of the element. I didn't put it in the YouTube video today because it's an advanced form that I see people, if they're not working with me directly or if they're not pros, they tend to screw it up. Uh, by trying to do double your money back guarantees or, or triple your money back guarantees, conditional, unconditional, all this kind of craziness, right? But when we did a double your money back guarantee once, I went down to the bank. Uh, actually, my business partner did. He went down to the bank and we got our banker to sign a letter of agreement that says, I will reveal this bank account's balance to anybody who calls me. And we put a million dollars in that bank account. And I said, listen, I'm here to buy every one of your businesses if I have to, because that was part of the double your money back guarantee. If you don't make X, then we'll buy your business for you at double the rate in which you pay to invest in this program. And we proved it. If it worked well for you, show specifically the statistics of how it worked for you. Show, show, show. So whenever we create our landing pages with our offer, I then go back and say, how can we show visual proof? If this thing is as good as we say it is, and I want a visual element attached related to proof to every component of the offer, core offer, and bonus. Next element, price anchoring. The ideal presentation goes like this. People, once they start to get excited about what you're teaching them, say, damn, I could never own this thing he's about to sell me because it's going to be way too expensive. 
And you want them to start thinking of that. And then the punchline comes. When you reveal the price, if this was an audience in front of you, you should hear an audible gasp. This is where I came up with the idea here is if I can break it down and then when I do a price reveal, they can't believe it. Really? It should be a lot more than that. And then sometimes I'll even say, you better take advantage now before I come to my senses. And we do this with price anchoring. What we have done throughout the communication up until the offer is we've linked the price of the thing to something that they're accustomed to paying a lot for in order to get. And we don't dispel them of that notion. We let them believe it and understand it. And they don't leave. That's the misunderstanding a lot of people have it. They think it's expensive, they'll leave. No, people love to associate with the high end. They love to associate with the luxury. They love to dream and live it vicariously. And then when they discovered it's not a vicarious thrill, they could actually own it. That's when money gets made. And so we always want to establish whatever we're offering and link it and anchor it to the highest price possible. A silly, dumb way that I used to teach clients this, and it works incredibly well, is I'd say something along the lines of uh, the sun is 93 million miles from us and gives us everything we need. There's 8 billion people walking the planet, and you can get started with this for just 9.97. And all of a sudden, $997 seems insignificant compared to 8 billion people and 93 million miles from the sun. It just seems like a good deal. And I would do that to intentionally show people how juxtaposing the price to the value and always working with these bigger numbers and attaching it so they understand the true value of something so when the price comes, the price pales in comparison to the value. Unfortunately, most people don't romance the stone here. They just throw the price out in front of you. And I don't care how damn good the deal is. If the price isn't properly contextualized, they start focusing on it. And any price is too much at that point in time because they don't know how to contextualize it related to the value. So we have to anchor price to the value. You do that, you'll be making money in no time flat. Ultra specific is the next component. And what I mean by this is you can take an offer and you could sell it to everybody and their brother, and you'll probably get a couple bucks for it if you're lucky. But if you start to carve it up and look at specific market segments, then you make more and more money. Two reasons to that. One is there are small pockets of any market that spend proportionately higher sums of money than the rest of the market. So 7% of a market will spend 70% of its dollars. 2% of the market will spend 50% of its dollars. So I'm always on the hunt, where's the 2% at, or where's the 7% at, or worst case percent, the 80-20 rule, right? So 20% of the market spends 80% of the dollars. So A, I wanna highlight the market that spends five times as much for just 10% more. And I wanna go after them by name, specifically. The second reason though, why being ultra specific works is because if I'm going after direct market segments, A, I'm the only one providing a solution to them. So supply and demand alone, there's that scarcity again. There's one of me, there's many of you. So you will pay a premium to be able to work with me. And I will be able to customize a solution better for you than anybody else can. And so we had this Amazon software we used to sell, and really our only targets were seven-figure Amazon sellers who had first bought this product from us and then had been a member of our group coaching program for more than a year. So those are the three hurdles. You had to be a seven-figure Amazon seller, you had to own product X, and you had to be in our coaching program for 12 months. And there was only a couple hundred of those at any given time. But a couple hundred of those would sell three to $5 million worth of the software every single time 
that we did the webinar. And man, we could customize that to their specific needs and challenges and get their attention, pull them in, work with them, makes a killer offer. The last component to a killer offer, being fresh. The newer, the better. So in marketing, almost always you have to reinvent the wheel every six to 12 months. If you hate doing that, then you hate money. <laughs> Slight changes and refreshes to your offer are what give you the best of both worlds. So you have new angles. You got that new course smell, as I like to call it, which pulls people in. So you could say fresh, new, current, up-to-date, latest, greatest, bleeding edge, leading edge kind of thing. But you also have the longevity track record. We've been at it for 10 years. We've serviced more people in the industry, blah, blah, blah. This is a case where you can have your cake and eat it too. But every six to 12 months, you should be looking at ways in which you can take the existing established successful offer and breathe a different life to it. And sometimes it's just adding a new bonus to it. Sometimes it's just updating the hook, which I got a video for that uh, on my YouTube channel. You better watch that video. Sometimes it's just a matter of putting new proof elements that you've acquired since the last six or 12 months that you were marketing the thing. Uh, markets change too. In certain markets or recession, they start to evaluate offers differently than they do when there is no recession in the market. So you start speaking more to the risk involved than the gain involved. The product stays the same, but the communication changes. So the really good offers, you're always putting stuff in front of them. You're always adjusting stuff to them. Ideally, you do the least amount of adjustment to make it feel fresh without fundamentally changing the appeal of the offer so it can still convert like gangbusters. And I've had offers that I've ran for 13, 14, 15 years, which in internet marketing is unheard of. And it's constantly finding where the market is currently at, starting the conversation there and adding in a new bonus here and there, taking out a bonus here and there. And you do that, it's hard to stop you. You have a killer offer. Everybody else out there, they're trying to be a better chef, learning how to cook more. I'm trying to find better ingredients because then I could be an average chef. But if I'm an average chef and I have the best ingredients, I'm going to make a better meal than if you're an amazing chef, but you got some stuff you found in the garbage. So people are working too much on the tactics and the strategies of marketing and advertising and copywriting and communication and coaching. I'm working on the high level stuff. How do we make an offer so good? You'd be an idiot not to buy it. And if you can do that, you can write your own ticket. So put that on. Let me know how it plays for you. I'll see you in the next video. Hey, Jason Flyland here. Thanks for listening to my podcast. If you found this helpful at all, please leave me a review. And thanks again and stay tuned for future episodes.